Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Clark from the Center for Weight Loss Success, and on this podcast of Weight Loss Surgery Success, we're going to be talking to Dr. Timothy Queen, who's one of the ENT surgeons here in Newport News, and we're going to discuss a little bit about sleep apnea and weight. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. This is Dr. Clark again, and again, we are talking to Dr. Timothy Queen, who's one of the ENT surgeons here in Newport News. We're going to talk a little bit about sleep apnea. Dr. Queen, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Tom. I'm uh, Dr. Timothy Queen. I am, I'm practicing here in Newport News uh, in the Oyster Point area. I've been in practice since 1995. Um, grew up in Virginia. I went to school at UVA and uh, went out to Southern California for residency and then came back to the Great Commonwealth uh, uh, and have been in practice ever since here. All right. Thank you. Do Dr. Queen and I go, go way back. We have kids that are about the same age and we're good friends here in Newport News. Today we're going to talk a little bit about sleep apnea and kind of how does sleep apnea affect weight. Uh, Jim, why, why don't you discuss a little bit about kind of what sleep apnea is and how do we evaluate it and that kind of thing. Okay. Well, sleep apnea basically is when uh, you stop breathing while you're sleeping uh, and there's different forms. It can be a central problem, uh, which is a, a, you know, a central nervous system problem, more of a neurologic issue. And then there's obstructive sleep apnea, which is what we tend to deal with in the ear, nose, and throat world, where there's some type of obstruction inside of the upper airway that tends to uh, keep the airflow, obviously, down into your lungs. When you fall asleep, muscle tone tends to relax, and so it closes off your airway a little bit. Uh, and if you've already got some type of previous obstruction, uh, which we can talk about the different areas that, where that can occur, uh, that then uh, tends to block your airway. Uh, when you fall asleep and, you, and you're not breathing, your oxygen level starts to fall and that tends to stimulate you to wake up to start breathing again. And, and then you increase your you know, muscle tone so that you can get more air in. And people that have sleep apnea may have these episodes multiple times during the hour where they stop breathing and then they wake up again to catch your breath. And uh, that can lead to numerous medical problems, including uh, uh, cardiopulmonary failure, uh, obviously the danger of being sleepy during the daytime, auto accidents are more common also in, in sleep apnea patients as well. Um, and um, that's yeah, So lots of different medical problems can kind of come up from sleep apnea. So it's not just that the, the all these other problems exist in there by themselves, but actually the sleep apnea itself can make these problems worse. That's right, and there's, there's much uh, sort of interaction. I mean, hypertension, diabetes, obviously, uh, you know, blood pressure uh, can be worsened in patients that have sleep apnea. Uh, so some of them can be causes, some of them can be uh, effects, uh, and they uh, compound the problem, if you will. Right. You sometimes can't actually just dissociate between cause and effect. Sometimes one thing may be causing it, but it also is the effect is it actually gets worse. With, uh, the, with the weight, we see that uh, tremendously because, well, the sleep apnea goes along with weight, but once someone has sleep apnea, their weight gets even harder to control because we see their cortisol levels go up, which controls a lot of the weight. And so there are lots of things. They're all mixed together. So I guess when you see someone that's 
potentially they might have sleep apnea, what are the things that you do, what do you look for, what do you do to evaluate further? Well, first on the examination, what we look for is causes or for potential obstruction. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we see, and we also I'd like to throw in the, the, the snoring bit because, you know, we see a lot of people with snoring as well. And, and not everyone that snores has sleep apnea, although most of the people that have sleep apnea will snore. So that's usually, you know, a, a, a good trigger sign that, you know, to be looking for sleep apnea if someone's got serious snoring issues. And so we look for uh, obstruction, you know, from, from the nose, you know, we often see things in the nasal cavity that cause the congestion that can lead to some snoring problems like deviated septums large turbinates, uh, nasal polyps, so we're obviously going to examine inside the nasal cavity. And then when you get to the, the pharynx or you know, the back of the throat, uh, we see reasons uh, for sleep apnea. Uh, in, in children, the primary cause is going to be large tonsils and adenoids. Um, that physically blocks the airflow to the back of the throat. And generally in children, uh, usually a tonsillectomy and adenoidectomy is, is the treatment of choice and very frequently cures the problem. Um, with adults, sometimes obviously the tonsils can be enlarged as well. The uvula, that little thing that dangles in the back of the throat, uh, can uh, be very large, very long, you know, fat and so forth. The, the soft palate itself can be quite long as well, and that can narrow the, the, the back of the throat. Uh, where the weight really comes into play is um, uh, several ways. Often uh, people who have uh, or carrying around excess weight tend to have excess folds in the back of the throat, pharyngeal folds that tend to narrow the airway, and just the weight of the neck in general, the, you know, the, the thickness of the neck is really important um, and uh, you know, the neck size, for example, uh, because even if, you know, you know, we were to, to remove tonsils, for example, and shorten the uvula, if the weight of the neck is, uh, the thickness of the neck is still too heavy, essentially, it still kind of weights the airway down when you sleep and it, surgery isn't always successful. You know, obviously the weight loss is very important uh, to the ultimate outcome of any type of, of surgical treatment that we might offer. Right. And so the obviously kind of the, the weight itself, like you said, can compress the airway, but also then when we see it, it weight going up, I guess I guess where I want to go a little bit before we just jump into gee, weight loss is kind of it, when you see someone, they don't necessarily need weight loss surgery. Yes, we often we say, gee, you ought to lose weight. I mean, that's a generality, but there are some other procedures you can do to help with sleep apnea. And if we if we can fix the sleep apnea, often we can get people to lose weight better. Um, right. So it's it's not just an automatic, gee, you need to have surgery. So well, no. just, right. you know, kind of tell me a little bit about some of the things that can be done. Right. And also, you know, and again, it's surgery, even in the nose and throat, it's not obviously the first option either. Uh, it might be for things that, such as deviated septum, for example. But for sleep apnea, technically, you're going to need a sleep study to prove it. So generally, what we're going to do with some of that, we suspect sleep apnea. And I, the general questions I ask, of course, are, uh, you know, you know, with the... You know, and you don't necessarily have to be overweight, obviously, to have sleep apnea either. But you know, that's certainly you know, one thought, one uh, risk factor. In uh, the heavy snoring again, uh, excessive daytime sleepiness. If someone you know, says that they are, they have low energy and can't seem to stay awake at night, you know, that's a good sign. And then of course, there's the witnessed sleep apnea. You know, where someone says, you know, dude, you stop. Uh, breathing at night while you're sleeping, you know, that kind of thing. So, we're, and, and then we look for those questions. And then we order a sleep study. 
Okay, with sleep study, they're basically going to, uh, you're going to go to a, either a sleep lab, or it can actually be done at home. We have you know, some take-home sleep studies as well, uh, where you know, your oxygen levels being monitored while you're in your, your, um, and your breathing rates being monitored you know, during the sleeping, and, and we see whether or not you stop breathing. And it looks at different stages of sleep, and you get a, a couple of numbers that come out of that. The most important ones are going to be the number of times per hour that you stop breathing. Uh, that's called what we refer to as your apnea hypopnea index, and and then also we look at your oxygen saturation at its lowest point. You know when you stop breathing, the oxygen level is going to fall, and we would see how low that goes and so forth. And if it correlates, you know, with uh, with the apnea, because make sure that's not a pulmonary problem. Also, you know, people can have low oxygen for pulmonary issues too. Um, and if there is significant sleep apnea. Uh, then generally the first thing that we're going to recommend in that situation along with uh, you know weight loss is going to be a CPAP machine which is refers to continuous positive airway pressure and it's basically an apparatus that kind of sits on your face and and blows air down through your nose and that just sort of keep your airway open okay um, and you know a lot of people do quite well with a CPAP and they you know, and uh, if it works you know that avoids surgeries um, and then hopefully with the weight loss, if we can get the uh, sleep, uh, the, you know, the sleep apnea symptoms to decrease, we can repeat a sleep study, and if it's normal, then you potentially can get off the machine. Right, and that, that's the ideal thing. If we can get them off their machines, if they can, if we can truly cure, if you want to say the sleep apnea, then it also has significant benefit to all the the cardiovascular stuff, the blood pressure stuff, the the, the diabetes stuff, even and. So obviously treating the sleep apnea, from my perspective, typically we, you know, literally, if I had to guess, probably two thirds of my, of the patients that I operate on actually have some similar, some bit of sleep apnea. Some of it's severe, some of them aren't really diagnosed yet, but it typically seems to improve after, after with weight loss. So I say, when is there a certain point that you'd say to someone that, gee, you ought to consider weight loss surgery? Uh, right. Uh, yeah. You know, what I did, of course, you know, you and I've worked together for many, many years and so forth. And, and my normal way of doing things is, of course, I look at the sleep apnea issues first, and you know, and I also rule out any kind of nasal problems that uh, I need to fix. The nose also comes back into it as well a lot because of the CPAP machine. And requiring a patent nasal airway, sometimes you have to fix things like deviated septums uh, just so that people can even will be able to use the machine. Um, but uh, you know, if they, uh, for a lot of you know, you're very experienced in weight loss, but you know, for those of us that don't do a lot of weight loss, you know, it's easy for us to tell people to lose weight <laughs> without giving them a way of doing so. It's like telling people to stop smoking, you know, without giving them a way to do so. It's very difficult, but um, you know, and uh, but uh, obviously, you know, we encourage them. To, to lose their weight, you know, exercising obviously and trying to eat healthier, but uh, then we refer them, you know, to you and have you, you know, go through non-surgical means first. Uh, uh, so, you know, you're really the one that decides when the, the, the weight loss surgery is the best option, but obviously, like, we're all going to encourage uh, the person's ability to lose a weight with better dietary control and better exercise, you know, first. And, and then uh, that's uh, that's where you come on board to decide when uh, more is needed. Right. Yeah, we... We obviously encourage people to work on the, the medical weight loss side of things. That is the place to go if you can avoid surgery. That would be nice. So we really encourage that. And obviously then if we 
if they're not making much success, they're not getting better, they're not losing the weight, we're not seeing the improvement in the medical problems, then potentially then we're moving on to possible weight loss surgery. So let's say that, okay, you, you know, the person either is doing medical weight loss or surgical weight loss, whatever it is, is there a certain amount or a certain time or anything that you're aware of that, gee, we can say your sleep apnea is truly better or is it, can we go somewhat on symptoms or do we need to actually, do they need to have a formal study or what are your thoughts on that, I guess? After, after treatment, that's, that's kind of controversial. I mean, you know, the, the purists are going to tell you you should always repeat the sleep study to prove and document your, your success. But, you know, they are costly. Uh, you know, and uh, and so a lot of times patients are you know are, are happy if they're they're comfortable. You know, if I, for example, when I do sleep apnea surgery, so say you know they fail the CPAP machine or they just can't tolerate. And the main reason for failure in CPAP isn't that it doesn't work; it's more that they have trouble tolerating it due to you know, claustrophobia and so forth of that nature, just being uncomfortable. Uh, but you know, say we were to do you know, the uveal powder pharyngoplasty, which is the number one surgery we do. Uh, for sleep apnea, we take the tonsils and the uvula, for example, short, short and soft palate. You know, then they come back and then and we say, so how are you doing? You're all healed up, and so forth. Um, obviously, if there's still a lot of weight going on, they need to work on that, and that's you know that's what, you know, where you come involved. But as far as just from the sleep apnea itself, um, I tend to go mostly based on symptoms, because you know the philosophy being, you know, would you have ordered the sleep study in the first place if people didn't have symptoms of sleep apnea? And the answer is no, you wouldn't. Have. You know, so uh, you know the, the question is, do you have to order another sleep study to prove that what you did worked? Uh, and I don't think you necessarily have to do. If they come back basically and they're not snoring, uh, they're not excessively tired during the daytime, uh, they have no uh, witnessed sleep apnea episodes and so forth, uh, then I would go on symptoms. And um, because again, in that situation, we would have never ordered sleep study in the first place, so we didn't have a real reason. But you also have to look at all their medical conditions too. If they've got you know comorbid medical conditions like hypertension, diabetes, you know, you'd be more likely, I think to get us repeat sleep study because you really want to be sure that you're you know you're not leaving them with something that's going to cause them you know more medical issues in the future right they're a young healthy person and their symptoms are gone you know i would be happy with just uh treating them based on symptoms without repeating sleep study. right i mean that that sounds like a good you know common sense type of approach to the whole thing and kind of what because it's amazing to me that often you know someone that has a truly has a diagnosis of sleep apnea and they lose just a modest amount of weight often they'll come back and say you know i sleep so much better i'm not snoring anymore my wife says i don't stop breathing you know i, I feel good when i wake up and they kind of have all the right answers if you want to say to that their sleep apnea is resolved but we truly haven't proven it and part of the question like you said is do you really need to or not I would totally agree if they've got all these other medical problems, it's probably a better thing to check it, but I don't know that everybody needs to get checked like that. All right, um, I, good discussion. Now, any, anything else off the top of your head you can think of before we kind of sign off on all this, Tim? Um, no, I think it's been a really uh, great uh, topic, a good discussion, and hopefully we can do this again in the future. Oh, absolutely. Well, we're going to probably drag Dr. Timothy Queen back sometime to talk about kind of allergies because that's one of his other specialties and it does affect weight. Um, but uh, right now, if you if you want more information, I'd encourage you go to our uh, our corporate website for the Center for Weight Loss Success. That's cfwls.com 
or if you're looking for just more general information about all the different things that we do, what I encourage people to do is go to our losingweightusa.com website. Um, you'll get free webinars actually every week. You'll get access to me to ask questions as well as weight loss tips, handouts, and recipes. That's www.losingweightusa.com. So this is Dr. Clark, and we've been talking to Dr. Timothy Queen of ENT Surgery. Um, again, we will see you in the near future. Thank you all for listening, and remember, it's your life. Make it a healthy one. Good day, everyone.